They say winners are grinners, and they don't come much smilier than Dina Asher-Smith. Of course, she's had plenty of reason to flash that trademark beam over the past few years. Commonwealth, European, Olympic and world medals and numerous speedy scalps clinched in races across the globe. It's also pretty neat that the undisputed British sprint queen has a BA in history to her name these days, from Russell Group Institution King's College London, no less, seeing as she's been writing herself into the British history books for years now. 2207, 4177, and earlier this month, 1092. Yes, you heard that right, 1092. She is the fastest Brit of all time and is showing no sign of slowing down. Far from it, injury-free once more, Dina is actually speeding up, so it was a miracle that I nabbed a moment of her precious time to talk about it all. We chatted for an hour and 40 minutes in the end. I can honestly say it was a delight, like catching up with a friend. And I'm thrilled that she was able to become our latest interview special. Right, Dean, I don't really know where to start. In the last five minutes, we've actually covered everything from how LBC works to philosophy, <laughs> nature, nurture, your degree course, and agreed that it's really boring when people interview you and speak to you just about running. But actually, that's exactly what I'm going to ask you about, because I wanted to start with the exciting rumours that I've heard that your first ever race was a cross country. It was. And don't worry, like, <laughs> even though I did just say that, it's not always boring. Everybody <laughs> always has interesting angles. <laughs> but yeah, my first race was a cross country. I remember that I was about eight years old and I was in primary school and I went to quite a small primary school. So there was like two classes per year. So everybody kind of knew each mm. other. And one of the teachers had a passion for running, Mrs. Douglas. And she set up and she still comes to watch me at loads and loads oh, of running lovely. events. It's so cute. Yeah. She was at Anniversary Games, I think. She was at London this year, last year. Good work, Mrs. Yeah, Douglas. Yeah, so sorry. That's so um, besides the point. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, she set up a running club and my friend um, said, oh, can we go to this new running club? Bearing in mind, it's a small school. So like everybody went to all the new clubs and I was like no because at that age I was kind of one of those children that kind of tried everything Mm. and I was kind of by the time somebody said you want to go running I was like I I don't really want to do another thing because I was swimming I was doing brownies I used to play the trumpet I used to dance I used to do ballet like street jazz so I was one of those children that's just like yeah (laughs) yeah as it literally everything used to do French lessons after school (laughs) I was thinking you know what I'm all right like (laughs) kind of busy but she said if I would go with her um she get me an ice cream from the ice cream van after school so I was like yeah cool (laughs) and then um we went but obviously being in a small primary school if you signed up on the first day you entered yourself to the local cross-country competition which you can imagine when eight-year-old me found out I was not best amused Mm. (laughs) and um yeah so we did it I remember running and thinking that I was dying because you know when you do those long runs and you get like the taste of blood in your mouth oh yeah yeah, I thought, yeah, but I thought, I know it sounds so silly, but I honestly thought I was dying. Oh, I stopped and taught, asked the hair. I was like, not the hair, you know, the marshals that yeah. you have in the big high-vis jackets. I was literally like, um, I think I'm dying. Like, I can taste blood. <laughs> and he was like, just keep going, like, really enthusiastic. Mm. And I remember looking and being like, did you hear what I said? I think I'm dying. <laughs> and he was like, you'll be fine. And I kept on running. I was thinking, if I die, it's that person's fault. And then I just remember running and, and being like, I literally, I'm being completely honest, I hated every second of it, literally hated every second of it. And I was running up and down the mud. I was thinking, when is this going to end? And I remember we got to the, like, we ran to the end and then they gave me like this little piece of paper. Mm. And I remember like, I was so exhausted. My mum like ran up to me, my mum being like the like the effervescent parent that was always absolutely everything she ran up to me like I'm so proud of you I just I kind of dropped the piece of paper on the floor and I just like collapsed like mom I'm so tired I'm never doing this again and she was like but you did so good I was like what and then on the piece of paper it said that I come fifth out of like three four hundred people and I all I remember thinking was oh my god I'm gonna have to do it again And I did like four times. It was not fun. Gosh, you're a multiple cross country racer. Yeah, by force. (laughs) You did get the ice cream, right? Oh, yeah. And I got, I remember when I did, well, in that one, my mum bought me the Bratz game for like Nintendo GameCube that I wanted at the time. And I like completed it like later that day. Honestly, that was, after that, I was actually one of the fondest memories. (laughs) 
<laughs> of my childhood. Wow. I'd wanted that game for like two months and <laughs> I was so happy. <laughs> Just so. think our British records might be unwritten had it not been for the offer of a whatever it was a twister or a cornetto or something oh i think that's how lots of the british records get written if i'm being honest I bribery well usain bolt got into running didn't he because um he beat his friend in a race they gambled their lunch boxes on so a race food is a trend yeah maybe it is There's a study yeah well i think now done. no it's, it's less food more handbags and shoes for me but <laughs> very probably yeah. so you yeah. had stamina you obviously you know, good at running for an eight-year-old. But when did you realise you were properly fast? Um, well, to be fair, I think the realisation, honestly, in my own consciousness came quite late. Now, I've known my coach, who I literally love to bits, is my, like, second dad, John Blackie, literally since when I was, yeah, eight years old, I went to the local running club, the Bees Academy, which he ran. And he saw from a young age, like, wow like this girl has a lot of elastic power that's what he tells everybody like oh she's springy (laughs) and he just kind of he let me obviously do my own thing and stuff but he just kind of kept in touch and yeah kept being like no just do it this way and you know what I mean Mm. just whilst you're kind of younger just like kind of keeping an eye on you to make sure that you kind of stay with this athletics thing (laughs) because I got something there but um um I didn't obviously John's known for a number of years probably since I was very young but me honestly was when I was about 17 really? <laughs> when I came back from Moscow mm. and I got the we got the bronze unexpectedly didn't even expect to go let alone run let alone get bronze well, you were the so, youngest member of team GB weren't you yeah yeah and I'm still so grateful for um the guys on the team at that time for being honestly so friendly to me because I remember the most terrifying thing was kind of me so young being like the only junior going and literally knowing Adam and that was it goodness me and then I yeah and they're so fortunate that Annabelle Lewis was the most incredible roommate like she made me feel so welcome and then Harry and all these people and Dwayne Chambers and everybody just made me feel so welcome and I still kind of fondly remember that but an exercise point but (laughs) but um yeah it's when I got kind of got the bronze and I got nominated for BBC's Young Sports Personality of the Year Mm. I thought and I was put alongside like Amber Hill and Charlie Hole the shooter and the golfer who are obviously incredible athletes and I thought well I should probably take this a little bit seriously since you kind of stumbled on your first senior medal (laughs) and now you're like here (laughs) so that's when I probably thought I should take it more as a career but before that I'd always been told athletics is kind of one of those sports that if you're kind of like a woman it's very hard to make a living out of it so for me which is which is true it's definitely true you have to be like in the top one percent to higher than the top one percent zero (laughs) 0.5 0.005 to make um a comfortable living from it you will always have to have something on the side you've always got to have a plan b so for me I'd heard that quite rightly so many times through my childhood that I was just planning to kind of do well in my GCSEs, do well in my A-levels, go to a good uni, get a job and then hopefully use athletics to get to a good uni. So yeah, I, I didn't take it seriously till I was about 17. Wow. I would definitely going to turn to speak about women in sport a little bit later yeah. on, but I suppose in a way that makes sense. I read that you watched the mm. Olympics um and you watched kelly and you watched the four by one boys and you said to your mom i want to cry like that no i think i didn't exactly say that i wanted to cry like that but that was the sentiment (laughs) (laughs) that was the sentiment i remember specifically watching kelly holmes do the double Mm. and that was just the most incredible moment for me i think when i was younger i just liked the idea that somebody who was literally about i remember the story like incredible like amazingly I honestly I can't remember what else happened at that Olympics like there could have been so many breaking stories I I, I don't have a clue but (laughs) I remember the fact that she was I think she was about to retire and she thought well this is my last one so I'm going to give it all that I've got and she went and won the was it the eight first yes or fifth eight first and she did that by a little bit which I thought was so incredible and then she went and ran the next race and she won it by ages and it was the second race that I won because it was just such a show of 
class and mm. determination and it was something that I thought was so inspirational and also you know when they're on the podiums I was still a little bit of a history nerd when I was when I was that yeah. age I was really into Greek myths which is so <laughs> embarrassing to admit but now I've done history at uni it makes a bit more sense Definitely. and um, I knew she, she had a wreath on her head like the ancient Greek wreath <laughs> and I thought it was when she's on top of the podium with that wreath I actually thought it was like the greatest image ever and action. I was like I really want to stand on top of the podium with the Olympics I thought it was the Olympic wreath like the Olympic wreath on my head I was like yes that is what I want to do <laughs> like that is like, I feel like a Greek god this is incredible that is exactly what I want to do oh, you must have been gutted when you watched in Beijing and realized oh that I was always wreaths honestly I asked my mum that and she was like that's because it was in in Greece Dina like proper sarcastically I was just like oh yeah of course oh yeah yeah and I was like oh my god and then <laughs> I was, I was like oh <laughs> great I've already started running now oh, moment <laughs> yeah literally but then you know eight years later you're the fastest teenager in the world over 60 meters and 200 meters but you finished seventh in 2012 I got that right in the world juniors yeah in world juniors so I suppose yeah going to Moscow will have been a huge shock that must have been incredibly exciting to have been selected I'm not surprised that it was daunting so then that yeah. was the moment that convinced you that was that you did yeah. have what it took i you must also surely have been inspired by your role as a kit carrier on super saturday oh yeah i was definitely my role that definitely had a role as a kit my role as a kit carrier kind of solidified the dream for mm. me but i definitely say um in my career so far the thing that's probably benefited me the most was going to Moscow when I thought I when in my head I was honestly petrified. Like I honestly cannot express how terrified I was when I stood on the line on the relay with the relay with the with the baton because I remember when we, when the team got selected everybody was like oh my god are you serious like you're putting a 17 year old in the team blah 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 because that was my first exposure to the media and everything mm. and everybody I, I distinctly remember being like oh my god the whole country thinks that I can't do it and like I was thinking what if what if I can't and then I remember Annabelle was like just don't worry about it you're going to be absolutely fine she honestly helped me so much and Annika as well though oh to be fair and Hayley as well but all of them <laughs> but um we were like, we're gonna, they're gonna be absolutely fine. It's gonna be absolutely fine. Don't panic. It'll be fine. And I remember literally being like, oh, I don't know if I can do this. But the fact that I was honestly petrified, didn't think I should be there, and I, um, I just had to go and execute because this was a team event, and I didn't have time mm. to kind of be scared for myself because other people depended on me doing my job. That when we won the bronze and we were able to kind of be successful at the end of that. Um, I think that proved to myself that it doesn't matter what kind of situation you're in, doesn't matter how unprepared you feel, how little you practice, the fact that you don't even know half the team, that as long as you just concentrate and focus, you can do it. And I think that's definitely, I've never, I know that, and after that, in every single competition that I've ever been in, when I'm a little bit nervous, I think, hold on a second, are you as young as you were in Moscow? No. <laughs> are you as unprepared or as scared as you were in Moscow? No. Um, then what are, you, what are you nervous for? Like, you do this all the time. Just relax, go through the motions, do it. You know exactly what you're doing. Because that, for me, was kind of my barometer, that mm. moment where I was like, I don't think I'm going to get more, like, petrified than this. And I was fine. So everything else is going to be cool as well. You do speak really well about nerves I'm always fascinated when people ask you about nerves and you go oh you know John says if you're not nervous you're dead and obviously yeah, you're nervous because you want to get the results out of all the training that you put in but I think the yeah. way that you embrace nerves is something that a lot of people not just in athletics but in life could learn from and you think that's where that all stemmed from that ability to harness it as a positive force definitely John's always taught me from way because way before Moscow way, when I was younger that you've uh, this is I love I love John sorry <laughs> like honestly he is he is absolutely my stable rock like he is so cool and so calm all the time that you always feel like you're going to be okay but anyway that's an aside <laughs> but um yeah he's taught us all from a young age when you're like oh my god I'm really nervous he's like well of course you're nervous you care don't you you care mm. how this race is going to go of course you're nervous that just shows that you care but nerves isn't a bad thing. You don't want, don't let the nerves make you so scared that you want to run away. Use them. The nerves gives you that little bit of extra bit of adrenaline that you don't have in training. And that's why you know you're going to do well today. And then when you think about it like that, you're like, okay, yeah, I am nervous. Mm. That's a good thing. That means I'm ready to go. And it completely changes your whole outlook on it. And yeah, that's a lesson that John instills in his athletes from very young. 
So um, that's something that I've carried through my whole entire career so far. Invaluable advice. Is definitely Moscow then the start line the most nervous on and off the track you've been in your life? Or are there things outside of um, athletics that scare you more? No, I don't. I don't I, you know what, actually? You know what's actually scarier than running? Okay, full stop. Moscow was terrifying. Yes. <laughs> I, um, that is, I think... <sighs> Um, is it first? It could be first. It's a very close first to having to stand up in uni and give a presentation about some sort of historical factual debate when the class is expected to come and then fire at you with questions to challenge you. I cannot <laughs> believe I'm hearing this. No, it's honestly, it's true. I remember, I can't remember, I think I did a, I remember I was, I was, I was stunned at myself. I was so nervous. I was like shaking. I think I did a presentation on like Napoleon's foreign policy mm. and immigration and policies on immigration or something. Um, like it was so niche, but the class, everybody knew the same facts as me, but I had to present my argument and they were meant to challenge me and mine had to stand up the best because it was my presentation. And then you got marked on how good your argument was. That's terrifying. Like literally people are, are meant to tear you down. I remember being like, this is the worst moment of my life. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I actually do think I was more nervous for that than I was in Moscow, if I'm being, if I'm being honest. I'm completely serious. I suppose <laughs> athletics is your thing. It's what you absolutely excel at. You must feel incredibly at home with a pair of spikes on your feet. And it's what you do day in, day out. And while you're doing a degree, of course, history is a major part of yeah. your life. But it's not what... It's I'd not what drives do. you every single day. Yeah, I mean, well, to be fair, in a way it is because before I took athletics seriously, I was quite one of those kind of an academic sort. Mm. Like, it's only... I still read avidly. Well, I say that tentatively because right now I'm in between books. But <laughs> if I wasn't, if this is in like a week's time, I still read avidly <laughs> and all those things. But um, yeah, I just think it's the fact that when you're in track you kind of you've got kind of like an innate confidence because you run week in week out you know exactly like where you are even if you're nervous for that moment you still have an idea that you're in good shape like you know that if it goes well you're going to put down a good performance (laughs) but um yeah when you're in uni you're just on like a level playing field so (laughs) I'm like oh I hope this makes sense I hope I say the right words (laughs) because these people are like really intelligent and (laughs) I'm really nervous (laughs) And the professor's just looking at you like, well, that was factually incorrect. And you're like, oh, no. We've <laughs> all been there. I'm sorry. It's yeah. the whole control, the controllables. In a race, you yeah. run in your lane. But in an academic discussion, there aren't any lanes. It's just a big hodgepodge of history. Yes. Speaking of which, let's talk about your degree. Mine. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations, firstly. Managing to be an international oh, athlete and leave with a 2-1 from Kings is pretty impressive. <laughs> Thank you. I'm interested in what you would do when there was a conflict of interests. For example, would you pull an all-nighter to meet a deadline if it meant being tired (laughs) for training the next day? Oh, yes. Depends what time of year. I shouldn't shouldn't say that. But um, I pulled many all-nighters, yes. That, but unfortunately, I think that was King's. That is, that was the the uni I went Mm, to. (laughs) Bit of a pressure cooker. Um, yeah, it wasn't necessarily a pressure cooker. Like, I loved it and I enjoyed it. But um, it was one of those ones where, yeah, if you wanted a, an all right mark, you could you could do the essay kind of, it would be fine. Like mm-hmm. there was always like uh, a standard level answer, but you're always, or you're always expect, expected to excel. You're always expected to go further. You're always expected to genuinely try your best. And if you're going to genuinely try your best, you want to spend the time on it. And now and again, unfortunately, that meant pulling an all-nighter. But I wouldn't pull, I was quite fortunate. Half the reason I picked that uni is because, um, it rarely clashed. The term times rarely clashed with competition times. Okay. So um, I don't think many people know, but Kings had fairly short terms. So I was always finished with class, I think, at the end of March. Brilliant. Right in <laughs> but, time for the season. But I had exams mm. um, in May. Okay. But obviously we had April off completely. Mm-hmm. And I was finished with class by the end of March. And then I was finished with class again for my first term by the, by the beginning of December. Oh, that's so ideal. we had intense 10 week terms. It was kind of like an Ox, Oxbridge is more intense cause it's eight week mm-hmm. models, but Kings is still modeled on, modeled on the same thing where it's 10 weeks and fairly intense. So that's half the reason why I picked it is because it didn't really clash with competitions, which was quite nice. And I would never pull an indoor after um, an all nighter, sorry, um, before indoor season, no way, never. So 
not after Christmas, between January mm-hmm. and till the end of indoor, no. But when it came to exams and when it came to like November, December, getting the essays done, definitely, definitely. You don't strike me <laughs> as someone who'd be happy giving in a so-so essay, so I'm not no, surprised. No, I never was. Of course not. <laughs> Did you consider going over to the States for uni? Um, I considered it, but not too seriously. Mm-hmm. I think um, I've always valued a British education, really. And I'm, yeah, <laughs> so, um, yeah. I get that. I yeah. think if you'd gone to the States, you'd have been an athlete with studies on the side, but perhaps yeah, being yeah, here, you've got um, to balance them properly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because the unis that would have given me the a level of athletic training that I would have looked for aren't necessarily the most academic ones that would have given me the kind of degree that I wanted or the kind of academic training that I'd want so staying in London gave me best of both worlds. With history in mind if you could pick a four by one relay squad with yourself and three historic figures oh who would you want in your team? That's a cute question (laughs) um what do you mean what do you mean sporting ability? You're going to be in a holding camp with them for a week and then <laughs> and I get have to, to race to them. with them and you don't have to do very well in the race if you want to go for the big characters I'll leave that up to you oh it can be mixed um, um I don't know I think we've got a really good crop of female sprinters right now that's a very tactful answer <laughs> no it's the truth it's the truth we just broke the British record yes that is true the fastest <laughs> so in history I would I would it would be sensible of me to kind of pick them I'd, okay I've got it I did my dissertation in jazz music so I'd love to be able to chat to Duke Ellington yeah. personally which is such a niche person but I just think he's so interesting and I've got so many questions that when I was writing my dissertation I was like I wish I could just ask him <laughs> so I knew the answer I've got so many questions that I just want to ask him about his life his personal like mantras mm-hmm. his you could play the trumpet um, together. philosophies so yeah That'll be number mm-hmm. one. So whilst we're in the call room or wherever we're going to do a holding camp or chilling, I'll be grilling his brain. Brilliant. <laughs> and um, uh, Martin Luther King, if I could bring him back and I could give him like Sky News or something for like 15 minutes and I'd be like, discuss <laughs> yes, be what's happening in the world right now. Yeah. What do you think? What's your opinion? How, what do we do to get back on yes, track? We need a bit of MLK. Mm-hmm. This is a really good question. I'm trying to think. There's like there's a few people in my mind, but I've got to pick one. Um, hopefully, you can cut this gap down. <laughs> I think it's quite. We'll put some jazz music in the background or something. Oh, thanks. Um, who would I pick? Apparently, Henry VIII was pretty athletic. If you wanted oh, someone, oh yeah, because he used to do horse riding. Yeah, before he was got larger, he was really Ooh. athletic. Yeah. Yeah, he used to be, apparently he used to, well, obviously I would not know, but <laughs> apparently he used to be really hot. Yes, you know, I've heard yeah, that too. I've heard he was like very really hot, really fit, eligible bachelor. <laughs> there we go. So I guess he would be good on a team. He'll be good. So quickly run me through it. Who's your quartet? Yourself? Duke Ellington, Martin Luther King and Henry VIII because he's um, fit. Great. Love that. What a <laughs> squad. I think you'd absolutely clean up. <laughs> smash it thanks <laughs> we'll see we were sort of loosely working our way through your career to date and I think the mm. next place to stop would briefly briefly be in Rio when you competed mm. in the fastest women's 200 meter race ever three mm. women went sub 22 you ran a national mm. record to finish mm. fifth how did you feel at the finishing line I'd love to know because um. you produced the best run of any British woman ever but you weren't on a podium I remember being really disappointed mm. um, immediately. I was really sorely disappointed because I didn't come into it, even though I remember being, distinctly remember being um, fastest qualifier. I never, I didn't come into it thinking, oh, like I'm, I'm going to win, which is whether or not you think that's a bad mentality is <laughs> up for question. But um, because I knew the caliber of girls that I was against and I knew that coming quali- well, qualifying times really don't matter. It What matters is how you run the final. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I was hoping to kind of get a medal because in, normally the shape that I was in would be perfectly fine for a medal. Like that's why we picked the two hundred that year. Mm-hmm. Um, the times that I was running would have been yeah. Even the year before it would have been an Olympic medal. So um, I was like, hopefully I'm going to do a good run, and then 
we'll get something and I'll be really happy. Hopefully I can go faster than I did and break Kathy Cook's record. And then I remember the race. I remember coming around the bend and I know that I'm a quite a decent bend runner. So I expect to be in a good position by the time I'm off the bend. And I remember getting to the 120 mark and they were gone. <laughs> they were absolutely gone. And I remember thinking, oh my God, like, am I having a really bad yeah. race? And I remember all the way down the home straight in my head, beating myself up thinking I'm so disappointed with you like you've had you trained so hard for this you worked so hard like you you were injured you came back you rehabbed yourself Mm -hmm. and then I'm not rehabbed yourself like your coach and everything rehabbed you you trained really hard you had a really good season this is when it matters and I'm used to being one of those people that kind of performs when it matters because that's the way that John's training works so I was really disappointed with myself the whole way down the, the home straight which is which taught me a lot because obviously I complete that means I completely lost my focus I didn't give up but that was it was just the wrong mentality to have in that half of the race obviously mm-hmm. but sometimes in that split second is because it was split second split what 11 seconds 10 seconds when you're on the straight actually um your mind if you're not completely focused your mind's just gone and I remember being like I'm so disappointed and I was trying my hardest I remember trying to pick up and I was just thinking Dina like you've wasted such a good opportunity here and I was so disappointed when I crossed the line I remember being like that was awful but then I saw the time that they ran and I thought oh Oh my God, I probably ran a PB. I probably ran the best run of my life. And I did. So when I, I remember seeing 21.6 and I remember thinking that is insane. And I remember th- looking up at the screen thinking, I better have got a PB in that race because that was crazy. And I wasn't, I was far behind, Ooh. but like, hopefully I would have been in PB far behind. And I was. And then in that split second, despite being overwhelmingly disappointed by not having the tangible, like, target that I wanted of like of a medal Mm. um I was still kind of I was still happy that I'd run my fastest ever in that race I could I on reflection I was it was like (laughs) could have gone better but um I still did all right but yeah I wanted to go sub 22 in that race I was a bit um upset (laughs) so it was very mixed yeah yeah mixed I think mixed is the word yeah what an amazing learning curve though and I think I've heard you saying before that you can never really lose from the experience of racing. You can lose the race, but you're always going to gain something because there are lessons to take away from it. And I bet you learned a Definitely. hell of a lot that day. Definitely. I learned a hell of a lot that day. And I learned a lot the year after and I've learned a lot the year after that because often in sport, things don't go your way. Like only one person in the race is going to win. Only one person every four years is going to be the Olympic Games. And there is going to be hundreds of people bitterly disappointed because it was not them. <laughs> so um, you're bound to face failure and defeat in your career. If you don't if you don't prepare yourself for that and you're not prepared to grow from it and learn from it, then you're definitely in the wrong sport. This isn't a team sport where like 12 people can win at a time. It's one <laughs> every four years if you're aiming for Olympic gold. So you have to kind of, kind of take, you don't ever want to lose, but or you don't ever want to not achieve your targets. But when you do, you kind of have to reflect and you have to think, right, um, immediately in that moment, right, what could I have done better? And then in six months' time, you look back, and you're like, what could I have done better again? And then in two years, three years' time, you look back and you say, what have I could I have done better again? Because you can't see everything immediately after the race. You can't see everything in six months' time because you obviously haven't even done a new season yet. And in, in three years' time, you can look back and be like, oh, yeah, I was quite mentally weak that year. Or, oh, maybe I wasn't as psychologically strong as I wanted to be. Maybe I wasn't as physically strong as I wanted to be. Maybe I should have slept better, et cetera, et cetera. So um, you've always got to reflect on things with the gift of hindsight. And it's that slim, slim chance of success and the number of times you have to pick yourself back up, which is why I think track and field athletes are such a rare breed. Yeah. You must look back at moments like that and just how far you picked yourself back up and be immensely proud. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely. I think I'm, I'm quite lucky that I'm quite immediately quite rational and quite optimistic. I'm, some, I'm one of those people that can sometimes distance my emotions from my performance. So despite being disappointed... I still in my head knew like this year's been good. This is your first major worlds. This was this, like you did this. This is, you've done well. Like don't be too disappointed with yourself. Um, even though my heart was like, Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, but yeah, so I've, I'm, I'm, I've never found anything yet too hard to pick myself up from because I think I'm naturally quite driven. 
So I'm one of those people that I'm one of those people that I guess um, I can get slapped in the face so many times. I'm like, okay, it's fine. Let's just go again. (laughs) It's fine. Don't worry about it. That's just kind of me. It's my personality. I'm quite naturally persistent and I quite, I love a challenge. Mm. I love kind of going for things when it seems like they're impossible or people think you can't do it. I love it when people think that I can't do things. I'm like, right, okay, now I really want to do it. (laughs) And um, um, so being kind of slapped in the face and what, proverb it won't prefer you know yeah. I mean. <laughs> not literally i would not be happy if i got slapped in the face did come but, across um, as unbelievably i mean slightly unhinged how positive you are after you fractured me? your foot last year this oh, is your instagram no. caption just to read it back to you so upset and frustrated but it was a freak accident one of those unavoidable things in life i guess come back starts now <laughs> how were you so positive in that moment i think it was because i didn't have a choice Mm. at that point um last year I was I knew it was going to be a big year for me always it was going to be a big year I was graduating uni and I had a home world champs and at that point I remember being so sad because I was in really good shape and I'm not pretending that coming back from breaking my foot was easy because I now me and my physio Martin always kind of laugh and joke <laughs> laugh and joke about how difficult it was you know when you look back and you're like oh do you remember that time when you were crying your eyes out I was like yeah oh. banter like <laughs> I know so I can't pretend that I was always like so of positive course. and it was actually really hard I wish I'd do I wish I filmed it probably not but it would have made a good vlog is it vlog or vlog I don't know if you're filming we would have made a good video. vlog but if you're writing about it okay, it's a vlog <laughs> <laughs> you see I'm not very technologically savvy but um, probably would have done that. But um, it's just because at that point I didn't have a choice because I'm one of those people, once I set a goal, I really want to achieve it. I am i don't really take no for an answer if it's something that I want to do. People go, oh, but that's really unlikely. I'm like, I'm still going to try. If I try my hardest and it doesn't work, then that's something else, but I'm still going to try. And I knew that I didn't really have time to be sad because... Uh, the week after I broke my foot I had my first draft of my dissertation which I hadn't done because I was getting ready for Birmingham indoors so I was literally like well I need to go home I've got 3,000 words to write that I have no idea what I'm gonna say (laughs) (laughs) and so I've got other things in life so whilst I've got my foot up post-op and whilst I'm uh, can't run and I can only like do rehab and upper body I am going to smash this dissertation <laughs> so that's the kind of mentality that I had in that period I think it was just the fact that being optimistic was the only choice I really had because I wanted to be in London so every week and every day I was doing something mm-hmm. to make sure that when I was able to run again when I was able to walk I was going to be as fast and as strong as possible so I stood the best chance of making the team and doing well at the championships and uh, when you think about it like that and with that kind of pressure on you, I didn't really have time to like be like, oh, where is me? This is so upsetting. This is so sad. I'm so lucky. I just had to be like, well, this is reality now. Let's just get on with it. Of course, <laughs> it would be such a waste of time to wallow. It would be. To be fair, I can't pretend. I did watch the whole of How to Get Away with Murder in like two days, <laughs> lying in bed being like, oh. Then I was like, okay, now I've got five days to write 3,000 words. Nice one, oh, Dina. Wow, <laughs> as if you watched it pre-draft. I assume this was after the hand. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> I remember being in bed because at that point it was actually quite painful. So I couldn't and I hadn't like I didn't have the flexibility yet to like sit at a table oh, with it okay. also on a chair because it always had to be elevated. Mm. So I was lying in bed for a bit and I was like, oh. Was it harder physically or mentally to come back from that? Which bit was the most tiring? Physically. Mm. Physically. Mentally wasn't wasn't easy, but I'm very fortunate that I have a really good well, full stop, I've got a really good physio team, my SNC coach, both my physios, Martin and Gordon, they're absolutely incredible. And I credit, especially my SNC coach, Tom, um, with bringing me back. They were doing the most <laughs> incredibly advanced exercises, which were physically very painful. Um, but um, men's, I think physically was definitely harder to come back from because it was just the pain that like it was honestly just really painful to like walk and to bend my foot and it took a long time for my calf to come back like I, I we take it for granted but I couldn't physically like hop I couldn't and wow. if you can't hop you can't sprint I couldn't hop for like I think about until about eight weeks before world champs <laughs> I, I couldn't hop I couldn't jump on a chair I couldn't even like you know when you go to reach something from your top cupboard mm. 
I couldn't even like push up for that movement. Oh my goodness. To, yeah. So, and that was painful and it was frustrating because you really take it for granted. Of course. But mentally, I was lucky that um, I saw my physio still, they were so devoted through the whole period. I saw my physio Martin, I think still like once or twice a week during that period when we just needed to kind of keep the foot, keep, get the scar tissue to come down. So when I wanted to run it, there was no tugging, uh, make sure the joint was mobilized. So when I wanted to run, there were no like extra little surprises. Mm. I just could get on track and go. And he was like giving me psychology sessions <laughs> as he still does now. He is my, I feel like I should pay him more because he is my psychologist. <laughs> so, um, a superstar. yeah, mentally he pretty much, was there for me the whole time and definitely made sure that he allowed me to be sad when I was sad but didn't let me get too sad he allowed me to kind of live out my emotions but still kept me on track kept me focusing kept me believing in myself and even when I knew that he was like boy I don't know if we could do this but um he still kept me positive and I think I was really grateful for all of my team support in that time and it all came together spectacularly with such an amazing yeah. <laughs> when I, I was shocked. <laughs> I think that was one of the greatest success stories of the Games. It was a game that was kind of a championship marked with fourth place finishes yeah. by really exciting athletes. And I think yeah. I never even would have dared to dream that you'd do so well but it almost it felt inevitable as the rounds <laughs> ticked on. You were just you had such a head of steam and you looked like you were just ecstatic to be back on the track I was and that must have carried you through and obviously it was one of the best crowds in memory oh it was it was honestly like the best experience and that was the whole reason why I was so desperate to get back I always say if it had been somewhere else in the world I would have been like look let's just really do well at uni try and push up a grade boundary Mm -hmm. (laughs) because you know everyone you need students trying to grab all the marks they can in that final term (laughs) and um, we'll still rehab but we won't do it as kind of aggressively and as focused um, as I would have done if it was London because I would have been chilled Mm. and I would have been like I want to make the world champs but I can miss this one but the fact that it was London yeah I couldn't miss it a full stop I decided in my head I cannot miss this so I have to either be there as a relay athlete which I wasn't kind of content with going I wanted to do the individual as well but um I I was like I have to be there I have to be on track I really want to be there because being a kick hair in 2012 I knew how incredible that stadium was I knew that it was going to be a once in a career (laughs) career time chance that um I was able to run in front of a home crowd at a global competition so I just honestly wanted to be there and honestly I don't know to this day I have okay I can't say I have no idea where the 22-2 came from because I had kind of John had been absolutely killing me on an underwater treadmill for (sighs) about two whilst I was still in a boot really I was running on the underwater treadmill and he was killing me I haven't okay I can't say I haven't moaned about sessions since I've been out but nothing is as bad as the sessions he was setting me on the underwater treadmill sometimes I was so tired I was just like lying on the water I I was thinking if I get any more lactic I'm gonna drown <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually gonna drown Horrible throwbacks to your cross-country race when you had to stop oh, and ask gosh. me to die <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm gonna die yeah <laughs> I was gonna die and then John on the last session as well John was like let's just see how fast this thing can really go and then him and the guy they turned it up and I just fell off the treadmill they were just laughing at my expense (laughs) but um we had worked really really hard but for me I was just honestly happy to be there honestly I was standing on the line I was just happy to be there in that moment of course I'm really competitive I want to do well so I went in with a target oh I really want to kind of get a medal here but that was in my head but I didn't, I don't think I believed it to my core mm. that I could do it. Obviously not. Like, <laughs> I've been out for so long. I was like, that'll be crazy. You can't do that. And then I was running the race. I was like, oh my word, I'm in third place. And then I saw Sean and I was like, nope, nope, fourth, fourth, fourth place. <laughs> but um, yeah, I didn't expect the time at all. I was, I'm very happy with that. Back with very, a proper bang. Yeah, it was really fun. And then after that, I was like, well, mentally, I am drained. <laughs> I am running these races that I have lined up at the end of the season. Then I'm going on holiday because this year has been mentally exhausting. <laughs> so yeah, degree check, home champs check. Yeah, holiday very well deserved. Just quickly, and this is 
a bit this is quite the challenge but you're very eloquent and I reckon mm. you can give this a go I will see I will, no I can't <laughs> I will never race at an Olympic stadium in front of a home crowd I've accepted that mm. I'm going to make podcasts about people who do instead no you never look you never know <laughs> you never know crazier things have happened Ooh, I and mean, I say that you don't be pretty nuts if that were to happen yeah but you don't know what what how athletics is going to go in the future in a period of transition as everybody keeps saying you don't know what events are going to look like so you actually never know it's extraordinarily <laughs> diplomatic of you thank you Dina it's let's, true let's, for a moment I know this is very against your nature but let's be pessimistic and say that I'm not going to run at the <laughs> Olympic Stadium okay. can you put into words for me what it is like when the crowd roars and gets behind you and because British crowds are in my opinion unbeatable how does that feel there are so many words to describe it but there are probably three different ways I'd sum it up for me in London it actually choked me up a bit because but I I knew that I had to focus so obviously you can't like get emotional Mm. but um I think it was the the personal support that makes a difference. It was people that were there that understood that I had had a broken foot and understood that I did good to be there in London that made the difference for me because I felt the warmth, mm. which sounds so weird, but you can feel that some that people are just genuinely happy to see you standing on the line. There's a difference in a crowd where they, they want you, but they expect because there's a different kind of feeling. It's a bit more tense. People okay. feel a bit more like they're expecting things. People are a bit more kind of, they're clapping and they're happy and they're shouting your name, but it's more like, come on, you can win this, let's go. And it's a bit more of like urging you on. Mm. But when I stood on the line in London and how I would probably summarise every time I've been in the anniversary games and every time I've raced in London Stadium people are just genuinely happy to see you standing there with a smile they're proud to see a British athlete line up in front of them and hopefully do really well and I think that's why for me it gives me tingles and it kind of made me yeah last year want to well up a bit because um it just felt friendly and warm and I think that's something that lots of sports people in in other disciplines and other sports don't often get to experience because it's rare that you go into a stadium where the crowd genuinely wants you to do well for you. Yeah. Like that might not come in the form of a gold medal, that might not come in the form of a bronze medal, but they just want you to surpass expectations and do them proud. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the genuinely like unfaltering, kind of heartwarming support that you want and need. There's no pressure with that. There's no... If, do you know what I mean? I There's no, do. yeah, it's just, it actually helps you. There's no kind of expectation of we want you to go. I mean, obviously everybody does want you to win, but it wasn't, for me, it wasn't the kind of vibe where everybody's like, we're expecting you to smash it, break the world record, let's go. Mm. Like it wasn't that <laughs> pressurizing I, atmosphere. It was just the genuinely like, hi, oh my God, I'm so happy to see you. So happy you're in one piece. Uh-huh. So happy to see you here. Please just mm-hmm. go and do well. We love you. That's what it felt like. And that's why I was like, oh my God, I'm going to try really hard. It must be like having tens of thousands of friends or family members. Yeah, because honestly, that's what it was. It was, it was. That's honestly how it feels. It's like, you know, when your mum's in the crowd and you know that, because my mum and dad, they come everywhere. They come, they, they pop up everywhere around the world when I'm racing. It's so funny. But um, it's literally, it was like having like 80,000 of your mum and dad in the crowd where it doesn't, didn't kind of matter unless maybe a full started but (laughs) did it matter how you did people would still cheer and be genuinely proud like you're one of like you were their child Mm. that's kind of what I felt like so I guess I felt like yeah I was just honestly felt privileged to be performing in front of a crowd that just wanted me to just do well and was just happy to see me there and that's a very unique opportunity that I'm so grateful that I had last year I was actually in the stadium for that final I was working on the world champs and I'd bargained with one of my colleagues that I could go watch the women's 200 if I gave him the Thank you. men's 100 meter final and it was definitely especially considering what happened in the men's 100 meter final it was oh, definitely wow, yeah. a worthy trade and yeah I think people were just ecstatic to have you back you're such a popular athlete and your stock I didn't think could get much higher than that but only you went and proved me wrong last week in Oslo you very kindly got back to me and said you'd come on the pod for the latest one of these little interview specials and then went around a national record and I thought well great 
finally get Dina Asher Smith on the pod, and everyone's going to be knocking on her door asking for time from the media. Bye. And I'm sure it's... I already promised it. We're good. It's well, fine. Well, I really appreciate it because you went and did something really, really special out there. When did you realise just how fast you'd gone? Um, kind of when I was in the race actually because I knew Muriel I'd, I'd obviously raced Muriel in oh, I think Muriel's so glamorous by the way this is such a side note but <laughs> she, she is. is so glam she I have never seen I know I, I let me just do another disclaimer I I'm not saying the pinnacle of being a woman is looking glam like I'm not saying that because I'm definitely feminist on that side but um She's so glam. Yeah, and it, she warms up. There's not a bead of sweat. Her lipstick is flawless. And I'm there dripping like I'm in the Sahara <laughs> Desert. And she's just glamorous, flawless, contoured to perfection, eyeliner, eyeshadow, bang. Like, if she did a makeup line, I would seriously buy it. You know what? So <laughs> Whatever fixing spray she's, she's, she is using, I need the hookup. <laughs> like, honestly, I can't emphasise. And in person, she's so beautiful. But anyway, I shouldn't be... We do race each other. So... <laughs> and um yeah well I knew that she was in shape I raced her in pre and whilst I was far out in the sticks in lane eight I knew that she was <laughs> she was further along and um she was in great shape mm. so when I was running and um I was focused I was running my phrases and I was doing them well um and I was kind of close to her I was like this is going to be a good time then we crossed the line and it said 10:90, and I knew that as long as the win was the eagle I'd run a PB because I knew that I was close to her I definitely knew that she'd won mm. but um I knew that I was within about I thought I was about three hundredths away but it turned out to be one hundredth so um super duper happy with that yeah mm, I bet was it the best executed race of your career so far no no Stockholm um Stockholm was interesting. <laughs> Stockholm was far better executed race, mm. far better. Yeah, my coach is far happier with Stockholm than he was um, Oslo. I don't know in terms of executed race of my career. I think I might have executed ones. Maybe I might have executed ones better when I was younger, but I just might not have been as like powerful and fast. They might have been slower. But um, so I don't quite know if it's the one best one of my career. But um, yeah, Stockholm was a far better run than Oslo. It's just the wind wasn't quite as generous. Mm. But um, that, that doesn't matter. It's well, the national <laughs> record is a national record. And you are actually, thinking it through, it's just occurred to me, I think you are the first national record holder that we've had in these interview specials. I've had Olympic champions, I've had world champions. But yeah, I think you are the first oh, national thanks. record holder. And you're not just a single one, you're a double, a triple one. Almost forgot the relay for a second there. <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, if you managed to That's run the cool. fastest race in history and it wasn't your best executed race, how much more do you think there is to come? Um, I don't know. It's just, um, it's one of those things that depend on so many things more than more than just form. Because right now I'm happy with the shape that we're in. We're all, my team, we're all happy with the shape that I'm in. Obviously, we've got a few things to work on. There are bits that I came back John was like I want improvements here and here so <laughs> your gym program is going to be focusing on this and we are going to be focusing on this and I'm going to be badgering you about this and I'm like oh <laughs> but um so there are definite improvements that I can kind of do in my races and hopefully as I did in uh, Stockholm not drift halfway across the lane but <laughs> <laughs> but um sometimes it's just you might be run excellent races, but it might be bad weather. You might have huge headwinds. It might be freezing cold. So um, honestly, you don't know how fast you can kind of go until the opportunity arises. You might be in the shape of your life, but the conditions just might not be conducive to quick times. Of course. Mm. Annoying. Yeah. <laughs> just the way that sport is, I suppose it's got to be a perfect mm. storm, but that must have been pretty near perfect. That was a big PB as well. Thanks. Yeah, I was re I'm really happy sometimes. I just, Oh, it's just yeah. I'm happy. Thank Good. you. That, that <laughs> matters really so much. That's the most important thing. Yeah. I've got so much I want to ask you about Dina. I've still got so many things I've got scribbled down in front of me. But I'm. You can go through it. It's oh, fine. You've got an evening to get on with, and so I'm really enjoying it. So we can continue talking for as long as you. I'm going to have to let the puppy out for a pee in a minute. Oh, so my glamorous <laughs> life. Um, you spoke about how glamorous some of the sprinters are. Yeah. And actually, that is something I wanted to talk to you about because I notice that with female sprinters there's quite a lot of showmanship in the perfect makeup hair nails on race day and mm. I think you've described it before as a, almost a form of armor and you've had some incredible competition hair over the years thanks <laughs> tell me a bit about why it matters so much to feel confident in how you look on the start line um well I was firstly I'm going to say I don't think it matters like 
so so much because ultimately it's how you feel within your body and whether you're running fast there are plenty of people who really don't really care what they look like they're like look I'm in shape let's go I'm <laughs> I'm on the line I want to win <laughs> so they're like I could and honestly I think it's part of a process for me it's part of a process of kind of getting ready to run fast so um John kind of knows when I've got my eyebrows done and my nails done and my hair done it means that I feel good I feel confident I feel ready to go Mm -hmm. and hours before I'll make sure that my makeup's done and it is just like a form of armor is confidence it's like I look good that's one thing that I I I look good run fast I'm sure that's some trademark phrase from somewhere but that is the basic but honestly um, I always laugh. I'm one of those people that when it gets to a certain time in the cool room or in the warm up, there gets to a point where my hair could be sticking out in tufts like I really wouldn't get. <laughs> so it's normally the, the when I when I'm in the mental space to be thinking I want to feel confident. I want to feel um, kind of I want to go out there and do the go to the best of my ability. Um that happens kind of hours before for me. And it's the same for boys as well, actually. They all do get their little shape up and trims and they're all wearing their gold chains and their um, earrings and whatnot. And they're always talking about getting haircuts and making sure their hair's yes. smoothed over. So trust me, I've been in plenty of hotels the night before people start competing. The boys are just as bad. <laughs> but um, yeah, it is about confidence. It's about mm. putting on a game face and wanting to say to everybody else, like, yeah, I'm ready to run fast. And obviously also we're on TV. If millions of people are going to see me, I do not want to look like a mess. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favourite things I've seen on social media this year from athletics was, and I can't remember, was it it a GIF maybe? Someone had done something on social to a picture of you after a race and you reposted it saying, note to self, wear less highlighter. Oh yeah, that was, I remember that was Glasgow. That was the most embarrassing thing. In person, like the highlighter looked fine. On TV, the highlighter looked fine. But the GIF, like, I think the image is, like, broken down. I turn around and every person in that race that had highlighter on it, it looked awful. It was like wall paint. <laughs> Literally, I was like, oh, my God, is that me? And then I turned, and I remember Lindsay commented. I was like, Lindsay, because Lindsay saw me that day. She was like, I was thinking, how could you let me leave the hotel like that? Like, because Lindsay, I love Lindsay. She would she would not let me. She If she saw me, she would have pulled me aside and been like, you need to go pick, fix it up. You can't go on TV like that. Yeah. A good chuckle, which was lovely. Lovely. Obviously, being a female athlete, the smaller, the least important thing is how you look because, like you said, it's the performance yeah. that matters and the reception and perception of those performances. And being a full time sportswoman is, as you said, financially, it's not always viable. No. I, do you think that in a post Usain Bolt world, now is the time for women to gain that sort of profile within the sport and subsequently for the financial rewards to come and for more women to be able to do this professionally? Definitely. I think that it shows kind of our sport in a negative light. When you, because obviously women's sport across all different, different kinds of sports, um, you need there needs to be more high profile events for women's events full stop but if you consider the sports that have more or less equal tv viewing equal kind of followings for kind of kind of close-ish for men and women you think about tennis and you think about track and field because they're on the same platform at pretty much the same time but when you think about the difference in exposure and earnings and the difference of kind of like hype around the women's events despite the fact that there's the same rivalries there's the same incredible performances there's the same kind of diamond league trophies backwards and forwards head to heads those kind of things um yeah (laughs) you could definitely do with kind of promote not you sorry we could definitely do with promoting women better it's one of those things where everybody's kind of looking for the next Usain Bolt which kind of Usain's Usain's a legend Usain's well record holder for 100 and 200 he is different like Usain is a once in a generation kind of athlete so that's that kind of thing aside. <laughs> yeah. So um, instead of kind of looking for one person to kind of carry a sport, shouldn't we be sharing the limelight between the people who are the top across all disciplines? It has a chance to bring like more of the field events into into like into light, more of the kind of the long distance events, more of like the pole vault, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Give them kind of the forefront, both men and women, and the power events. Talk about sharing stories across all disciplines or events, rather than just looking for this one outstanding performer who can kind of carry the sport. Which ultimately, mm. then if they get injured or they're hurt, 
and then the sport's back in the same place. It doesn't really make sense. Can't talk about all of this history and all of this past without looking forward to the future. Mm. Obviously, British trials are coming up and British sprinting is just on fire at the moment. What has happened there? Um, I think that the potential that people have seen like have been showing for a few years now we're all just coming of age you're all growing up um it's all the times when you know when like for example in london when people come forth and then people are like oh so close and you're like wait 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 fourth is a good thing trust me um mm-hmm. i think you're starting to see the first well not necessarily first but the early signs of that because there are so many talented athletes right now in british athletics so many across all disciplines in the track on the track in the field on the road everything but um sometimes you need to be a little bit patient because they might be talent they might be really talented but they also might be 19 racing (laughs) 27 year olds (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) so what i think is everybody's kind of settling into their groove they're starting to work out their bodies they're starting to work out what works for them what they need what inputs they need to run fast um and it's just kind of like we're all just starting to get into our prime i think and that's what you're seeing we're all of similar ages all doing well all starting to get into our prime and understanding things so we're just seeing the culmination of that and that must be incredibly self-sustaining because you're both in competition with and inspiring one another. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's good. You know that you have to work really hard in training every single week because somebody will just come out and beat you. Like, that is mm. the matter of fact. <laughs> yeah, of and um, that level of healthy competition does really, really help you perform. So come trials, and we are speaking today for an interview, a long-form interview, with yourself but also going to snip out this little bit and chuck it in our sprint queen special which is mm. going out next week uh we i think there are seven girls now who's gone good. sub 23 this year oh yeah which is absolutely amazing so mm. there's the potential of a final in which every single person can break that barrier which is a pretty hallowed barrier in oh, yeah. british sprinting um what's the secret if you had to give me one top tip to break 23 over 200 um. meters I think 23 is all about speed endurance. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there are obviously running fast is takes a lot of things, mental confidence, strength, having done the training, believing in yourself. But I see the key thing that differentiates you from a 23 plus and a sub 23 would Mm. be having a good level of speed and being able to maintain it, which sounds really silly. But um, you have to be able to have the speed of a 100 meter girl and be able to hold it. That's, I think that is a sub-23 run. It's been a few years since you ran a 43-something 400. Would you ever go back to that distance? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, question. You mentioned endurance and I thought, oh, um, I wonder. I'd quite like to do a 4 by 4 one day, I think. It looks, f- I don't want to use that for fun word <laughs> but like the come like the team the team bonding and like mm. the the kind of little bit okay no elbows but a little bit of argy bargy the taking over it kind of looks a bit fun painful very painful i i still don't know how people that do a 400 or a 4 by 4 go on bbc afterwards and talk you'd have to i'd have to be lying there they'd have to be like and dina is reporting from the floor I'd be like hi i'm alive that was good happy speak to you soon <laughs> but um yeah i think i'd like to do a 4 by 4 but I, I i don't know 400 is a long way and i'm kind of enjoying the shorter distances <laughs> at the moment <laughs> So I do not blame you. And you get all the camaraderie and the fun team bonding with being a member of the four by ones. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Moment. Yeah, definitely. So I'm not lacking in that department. (laughs) Pretty hot competition for spots too, which is brilliant. Yeah, which always keeps it healthy as well. It makes sure that you have to be efficient at changes. You there's no slacking because nobody's spot is guaranteed. Representative of what rude health British sprinting is in. It is. We're also asking all of our sprint queens what their entrance music would be. If you could walk out Ooh. to your lane at, let's say, British Champs this summer, yeah, what would be blaring out of the tannoys? Oh, that is a really good question. Ooh. Ooh. Jazz? No, wrong vibe. <laughs> at the moment, I think it'll be Django Jane by Janelle Monet. Okay. But um, that's just because that is like the kind of feminist anthem in my head right now i love the idea of a feminist anthem yeah of though. course you have to come on definitely <laughs> you have to that's the one that's in my head at the moment i don't know you kind of could do you could do something really fun 
<laughs> like the hokey cokey, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon Hilton went for Stronger by Kanye. Oh my god, I was listening figure. to that today. That was in my head. Yeah, that one would be a really good one. It's an absolute tune. I like. I think that would probably inspire all eight of you at the start, yeah. which would be quite nice. Yeah. And then, actually, speaking of inspiration, the last one we're asking everyone is to name one person who inspires them to be the sprinter that they are today. Uh, Alison Felix. I think that's pretty simple. I think that's probably a common one. That has come up quite She's a lot. Common. Yes. She's phenomenal. Uh, just the kid in me, like the the one that has been watching Alison kill it since she was so young. Oh, my heart burnt for her in Rio. Like. Oh it would goodness. have been such a nice story, just a nice culmination of like, yes, I made the transition from this to this to this. You know, we've got another Olympics. <laughs> and But yeah, Alison Felix, she's an absolute queen. Absolute incredible queen. The consummate champion, she's beautiful to watch. Yep. I always think she's... I love the moments when that poised exterior just cracks and you see the passion underneath. Like when they were initially disqualified in that relay yeah. in Rio. Yeah. And you see how much she cares and how fiery she is. And oh, I could talk about Alison Felix. No, she's incredible. She is honestly one of those people that you don't get the feeling a lot, but um, when you line up against her, it's weird. I was having this chat with Nike in Oregon, actually. This is such a weird chat. I was I was actually mm. like just being like, I love Alison, obviously, in a c- competitive way. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those few people that even though like you stand on the line and you wholeheartedly want to win, if she won, I'd be like, cool. Okay, maybe, my, please, John can't listen to this. But, <laughs> but um, it's just, you don't get that with anybody else, I don't think, personally. Um, you were, Obviously, I line up to wanting to win and I will do everything in my power to win. But if she beats me, I'm not annoyed I'm like, go on, yeah, still killing it. How many Olympics have you been to? Incredible, keep going, keep running fast. (laughs) I love that. Probably, yeah, but I don't think, I don't know if that's a me thing or if it's a common thing, but I don't think you get that with many athletes. Probably the only person that they won. I'm I'm wholeheartedly like, yeah, well done, go for it. That was an amazing run. I'm so happy for you. Keep killing it. Good luck at the World Championships. Really want you to win. (laughs) 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 Obviously, hopefully not in my event, but you know what I mean? Yeah. She's just, it's just, I think it's because she's so gracious. She's just great. Like, <laughs> I hope she's a She'd be a so very good top trump card, Alison Felix. Oh, yeah. Racing her, it just it feels really good. It's, it's special. You're like, I'm going to try my best. But when you race, it's like, oh, race Alison Felix. Yay. <laughs> and I didn't do too badly. <laughs> this chat has been an absolute joy. And I'm going to end on something really anticlimactic and really silly. But I read this about you and I thought, mm. this cannot be true. And actually, I ended my chat with Courtney Freerich talking about avocados and i'm going to end my chat with you discussing them please tell me it's not true you only ate your first one in 2016 yes and this was because of morgan really like she (laughs) morgan (laughs) loves avocado for her birthday i got her a present and i bought avocado wrapping paper because she is half avocado like (laughs) she loves it but i had never tried it me and morgan even though we're like best friends we are so opposite which is so much fun like she is totally like let's go for brunch let's do all these things i love avocados (laughs) and i'm like oh brunch breakfast at lunchtime like what like (laughs) avocado what's that like it doesn't taste of anything like that's me and we were out for brunch morgan's choice um (laughs) and she's like get avocado toast i've never had it she's like i can't believe you have never had it get it and i was like okay i tried it i was like oh it's all right like wow that's not the answer i expected i thought it was going to be the heavens opened no it changed your life it was it was it was fine like my parents have it all the time because in the caribbean culture avocado is a staple it's been a staple for ages my so i've been i've just never had it so what would be your brunch of choice um what would be my brunch of choice um there's no competition coming up you can order what you like see like i I wouldn't pick brunch your death row meal uh truffle macaroni cheese pumpkin ravioli with, sorry, I, I'm a really, I'm a foodie. So, you about thinking, this. Yeah, you're just thinking, what is she talking about? <laughs> yeah, oh my God, I think about it all the time. Um, pumpkin ravioli with sage butter specifically. Not cream meat or sage butter. <laughs> um, truffle mac and cheese. I think I would go with apple crumble with vanilla custard and bruschetta. It's weird, isn't it? 
Yeah. <laughs> it was weird that those two came next to one another because for me that was a dessert followed by a starter. It was, but... it was. No, I was thinking, I was out in a restaurant today and I was just looking at the menu like, oh, I want bruschetta, but I couldn't have it. So I got the salad and I was like, oh. It'll be totally worth it come Europeans when you're in touchwood and fighting fit shape. Yes, it we... will be. Well, I'll tell it... myself that. When you're on holiday <laughs> in the off season. Oh God, yeah, we go crazy on holiday. Gosh, everybody always, hold all the athletes when they come back, everybody's like, so how much weight did you guys gain? <laughs> everybody jumps on the scales like, wow. <laughs> I imagine some of it's some of the numbers are pretty. Yeah, scary I think come out I'm not going to tell. I'm not, I won't say who's the highest I've ever seen, but the, well, the, or the the differential between like raceway and off and coming back post off season. But there's been some pretty. There's been some few athletes that had a lot of weight. <laughs> <laughs> it's deserved. You're so disciplined all year round. I think it's perfect that we started with the promise of an ice cream at the age of eight, oh. and we've ended with your first avocado toast. <laughs> yeah <laughs> there we go I, I think if you are a real foodie that's the perfect way to top and tail this chat it is yeah thank you so much it's been great and so much fun it's been fantastic thank <laughs> you very much Dina and all the best over the next couple of months this season <laughs> <laughs>